Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 92 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to start a new type of roundtable discussion. In the past, we've done things like our top 10 favorites or Disney This or That, two very popular series on the show. But we're going to start a new series, and I'm really curious to get your feedback about what you uh, like or don't like about this particular way of formatting our roundtable discussions. But the theme of this discussion is never been answered. It's kind of how we're uh, titling this particular series. And volume one of Never Been Answered is going to be questions relating to the world of Star Wars and Marvel. As if we were to cross over these two universes, we pose some really interesting and very difficult, sometimes fun and funny questions about if the Star Wars and Marvel worlds were to collide. I think you'll, and I hope you'll find this discussion and debate to be very interesting. And at the end of the episode, I'm curious to get your thoughts not only on this particular uh, way of formatting a roundtable discussions about Never Been Answered, if you'd like to hear another one, but also what your answers would be to some of these questions and if there's anything that we left out. I brought back on three guests who I'll introduce in just a few minutes who are all knowing about Star Wars and Marvel, and so I hope you'll enjoy this discussion with the three of them. Of course, at the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So... Grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. So today we're going to be trying a really fun, different episode we've never done before, Starting out as a new series, there's a chance that this might be the only one in the series or it might be a big hit and we do more. I don't know. Either way, I'm really excited to chat about it. It's very broad, whole topic being questions that have never been answered. The theme of this particular episode is Star Wars and Marvel. We're going to cross over between the two and ask some interesting questions, some fun, some challenging, some philosophical and either way, hoping to have a, a lot of fun. And I know we will because we have three guests back on the show who always um, make my time as a podcaster so much more enjoyable. And that is Mike, Brian, and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. I know I gave you absolutely no information about what we're going to talk about today other than what I just said in the beginning of this podcast. So you're all probably, the three of you are probably as confused as the rest of those listening and probably as confused as I am right now, even though I prepared what we're going to talk about. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion, but to, uh, to change things up a little bit, because you've all been guests on the show, I'd normally ask and I already have about your favorite parks and characters and movies. Um, instead, kind of honing into Marvel, let's say, if you could have any one superhero power, what would you want your superhero power to be. 
I'll let anyone jump in first. My power would be to get more powers. <laughs> no, no wishing for more wishes. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I love our group so much is that you got that reference right away. But fine, fine. I didn't, I didn't give you any rules. So <laughs> there you go. So I'm, I'm Siler from Heroes. Yes, there you go. Except not the killing part. I'll take that. Part <laughs> out I answered. About it. Oh. I would go with tele, uh, telekinesis. Telekinesis, nice choice, Chris. Uh, I would be. I would go with time travel with the time stone. Ooh, ooh, that's Solid not a power choice. though. That's that's a, that's that's an object. <laughs> Minus the infinity stone, he wouldn't need it. He could just do time travel. Just time just, travel. Yeah. Just time travel. Just time travel. Yeah, that'd be cool. <clears throat> I think because I, you know, superhero powers, you kind of think about fight or flight, and I'm more of a flight type of personality. So I would probably do teleportation just to instantly be able to teleport in and out of anywhere. And it also is useful in battle. So it could it could come in handy there too. It's like um, Nightcrawler. Yep. Like Nightcrawler, exactly. Very, very similar. Is there a Marvel hero that has time travel, like just as an ability? I was thinking the same thing. I don't know if there's a superhero with that ability. I mean, Maybe Scarlet somewhere. Witch is uh, like closest, but that's still like alternate reality. reality. Yeah. yeah. That's not time travel, though. Like, now DC has time travel, like, or, or heroes that can do time travel, like Superman and Flash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But are there any Marvel heroes that, within their abilities, can do time travel? Can we bring Doc Brown into the Marvel? <laughs> no, we can't but, bring Doc Brown. But that Brown. doesn't count because I know, Doc a, Brown yeah. can't time travel himself. He has to use yeah, his it's, it's, not, it's not a power. I know. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, can yeah, Captain Marvel time travel? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if she has the ability to actually time travel. That's a good one. That, I, I would say that would be probably the closest. That's amazing that to try to think of all of us, our collective knowledge of Marvel, we can't think of one character that has the ability of time travel. Well, I think also it, it goes to the difference between DC and Marvel. DC was kind of like, these superheroes can kind of do whatever they can on their own, with the exception pretty much being Batman. Whereas Marvel is more, okay, you have the mutants, but then everyone else kind of has their abilities kind of from some either assistance or some scientific thing. I mean, so there's time travel in the Marvel universe, but it's always been assisted by something else. It's true. Like if you look at like Cable and stuff like that, he didn't time travel on his own. He had assistance. I will say though that not all DC characters, like there are a bunch of DC characters that need assistance. You have Wonder Woman with the invisible jet and then the, the lasso of truth. Fair, but she also has superpowers on her own. She does. And then Aquaman as well with his trident. Yes, but also superpowers on his own. <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, Batman's uh, super detective. No, no, Batman's the exception. Super detective? That's not an object. That's not assistance. He's just really good at detectiveness. <laughs> detectiveness. All right. Sorry, we're taking over <laughs> this for this no, no, podcast. No. This, we're this not is, even getting into the actual episode yet of what this is supposed to be. <laughs> this we're just is, going on arguing we're going with whether, whether you need objects or not to time travel. That's where we got to. But uh, honestly, this is why I asked this question as a warm-up, because this way of thinking is exactly how we're going to need to think through this episode. Um, and now I'm going to uh, lift up the curtain and kind of peel back how this all started. It all started with an idea that um, revolved around one question. And this one question is how we're going to be 
thinking about the rest of the discussion too and where the inspiration for the other questions came from. But the one question that was posed, which we'll talk about first, is bridging Marvel and Star Wars. Um, we all know about Captain America's shield made of vibranium. The question is, could a lightsaber cut through Captain America's shield? Oh, definitely. Even no though it's vibranium. Yeah, no. I would say the only questionable material would be adamantium, and even then, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lightsaber. It, it can cut. It's, it's made of laser. I mean, what do you like? It's gonna cut through all, pretty much well, all kinds of material. But I don't, I don't know. I, I almost want to disagree because isn't the concept of cap shield is that it can absorb energy, and a lightsaber is pure energy. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> so the shield is kind of like cool. Okay, I'm just gonna absorb this. But do we also know like the flaws in the shield, like what it's vulnerable to? Apparently, Thanos's blade. Yeah, from Endgame. Yeah. Right. And and, with- and also other objects of vibranium too. Like that that was one of the reasons why in the in the comics that Cap's shield was destroyed was because it was destroyed by, um, I think by Claw, if I remember correctly. I don't in, remember. In, in some story in some storylines, um, uh, Claw from Black Panther because. His uh, arsenal is all vibranium-based, vibranium is he was able to destroy Cap's shield. So vibra- vibranium versus vibranium will, you know, will counteract each other. So that, that we kind of pretty much know, but you're right. Like, vibranium is supposed to, to absorb, but it's, well, isn't it kinetic energy, though? Like, I think that's the difference. It's not, it's kinetic energy that's absorbed. Oh, that's a fair point. Right, so this is light but, energy. But if you think back to the original Avengers movie, when you had the face-off between Iron Man, Cap, and Thor, whenever Iron Man would try to shoot at Cap, uh, or not, I guess the original Avengers probably Civil War is probably the best example. Anytime um, Iron Man would try to shoot at Cap, Cap would just use his shield, and anything Iron Man would send at him would just be reflected off. Right, but that's not a projectile. Where the lightsaber is not a projectile. That, right, that's the point. I'm comparing the lightsaber to Iron Man's repulsor rays. Right, but that's like... Because that's energy. It's, that's not That's like comparing energy. a bullet from a gun in comparison to a sword. <laughs> both are kinetic. But at that point, both are kinetic energy. It's true. Both are kinetic energy so, at the point in time. So that's why I'm not sure if Cap's energy is only kinetic energy, because Iron Man, I don't know if his beams would be considered kinetic energy. I don't think so. It's because also, remember, Cap's shield deflects it. It doesn't absorb it. Correct. So it's being a shield at that point. Right. It's not, absor- it's not absorbing, it's deflecting. So, so then what is a lightsaber? Is a lightsaber like Iron Man? Because then it would just do the same thing. It would go, boop, and bounce right off of his shield. Okay, I have to say, this is a really good question, because I thought this was going to be an easy answer. And then all of a sudden, we're like, well, maybe not. So that's actually a really good point. I have actually no idea now if it actually will deflect it or if it's going to cut it through like butter. It's. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because if you think about it, if you're wielding a lightsaber, chances are you can also wield the force. So the shield ain't going to protect you from the force. No, but the question is, though, is like, is, is the actual light, like the actual energy of a lightsaber going to cut through vibranium? Right. You have to imagine yeah. that this is not uh, used in tandem with the Force, just purely the lightsaber. And by the way, the, pro- the other proposed name of this discussion was going to be impossible questions, but I thought that'd be a little too scary. So that's why I just said, never been answered. <laughs> like, we don't know. <laughs> <A little> more <laughs> inviting. Yeah. To get us on this podcast. Well, 
But what about uh, the kyber crystal and the lightsaber? Because that determines um, if there's like acid or, you know, fire or something like that within the energy that's being, you know, if, if we're hitting the, the shield, wouldn't that also come into uh, as a factor? Yeah, it's true. Jinx. Um, <laughs> we know, we know if, if, if it's, uh, I, I'm, I would, I'm assuming like acid, it would probably reflect acid pretty well um but uh, mixed with the with the energy i'm just wondering if that would like over overthrow the uh vibranium you know durability or whatnot i i honestly think that would actually detract from it at that point because any kind of elemental items you know any any elemental aspects of the saber I think that the shield would be able to absorb or deflect that fairly easily. It's more or less the actual energy from the kyber crystal that would honestly is what comes to the question here, whether that energy is powerful enough. Because pretty much every Star Wars lore we've heard is that a lightsaber can pretty much cut through anything. Except another lightsaber. Except for another lightsaber, correct. So, but as far as like Light, lightsaber energy going through actual materials concerned, I'm pretty sure that we've never seen anything where is able to prevent that have we i think that's actually a, a really good question have we ever seen in star wars lore a lightsaber being not able to cut through a certain type of type of material the only thing that i can think of that it can't pass through but it's also energy would be a ray shield but i don't remember them ever showing whether a lightsaber what happens when a lightsaber touches a ray shield and that's still energy isn't it it's it is still energy. So yeah, it's the the question I That's have true. is not energy on energy, it's energy on material in this case. In Star Wars lore, does that But I've know, seen uh, I could think of not within not within the Star Wars canon. Like I, I, I have I, I haven't seen every series of every episode of every series for Star Wars, so it might exist there, but not in the not in the nine main Star Wars films that I've seen. Or the spinoffs. Now, follow-up question. Will Black Panther's suit reflect a lightsaber? Sorry, oh. I, I didn't want to... <laughs> no, that's... Can, can we... Can, I actually... I, I, I think that's actually a good secondary point. <laughs> well, <laughs> to maybe help with the first question. <laughs> technically, if I'm not mistaken, it's made out of the same material as Cap Shield. So if Cap Shield can uh, deflect it, then technically, yeah, so could his suit. Okay. And That'd then that would crazy. absorb that energy and then reflect that later on. So That'd be interesting to see. The, the yeah. only thing, though, that I'm not sure is because every time you see a lightsaber cut through something, it always kind of, like, just sears it. So it has that because of that energy transfer. So I guess my question would be what necessarily causes the, the item to kind of break apart? Is it because the energy transfer to the material is just too much for it to absorb, so it basically just melts? Because if that's the case, then I think... Cap Shield and Black Panther suit would just be like whatever because it can absorb it without any issue. It doesn't have that heat transfer. You know what? I'm thinking now. Now you convinced me on your side. I think you're right. I think that will end up happening is that it may like because you also see too like whenever there is um, any kind of energy damage to like Cap Shield, for example, usually we'll see some sort of markings or things like that on there, but it doesn't go through it. And same thing with true with Black Panther Panther's suit. So I think you guys are on the right track that I think it might like singe it or sear it, 
but it's still going to absorb enough energy from the lightsaber where it actually will not be able to cut through it. Now, here's the question. Could it maintain that in perpetuity, or is there a point where it just it can't absorb that much energy? Like, if you think back to the prequels, um, like, especially the very beginning of Phantom Menace, where um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are in the uh, Federation ship, and they close all the blast shields, and Qui-Gon just... Um, stabs his lightsaber and he just holds it there and you just see the entire thing melt apart. If they did the same thing to the shield, would the shield eventually be like, I I can't do this anymore? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly when I said at the very beginning that it would definitely happen because it brought me back to that one scene with Qui-Gon and like, well, yeah, because like she's going through like 10 billion pounds of steel of Blastor just (laughs) going through it. So I think in this case, and that's why I was originally thinking that, yeah, it can go through anything. But also, like that, what well, it depends upon the material to Blastor in comparison. Also, how much Jedi Jedi power he's using to be able to amplify it. Also true, right? So there's a couple of questions even there too of whether it's the actual energy of the lightsaber itself or is Qui Gon using some, you know, <laughs> Jedi craziness. Good point. I don't (laughs) (laughs) don't think we have an answer. I'm now more on the side now of that it will singe it, but it will not necessarily cut through it. Yes. I think that's... uh, And honestly, I think that would actually be a lot more interesting of fight anyway if if a character had a lightsaber and was facing off Cap or Black Panther. That just to me sounds more interesting. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too um it would take at least time um or the right jedi to to get it through cap shield but not necessarily any jedi or it could just be done um it would it would be an interesting battle for sure so we'll leave it at that and that kind of i think is the same answer for black panther's suit um that it would same same scenario same material same type of logic going behind it but Awesome. Well, I'm glad that first that first question went the way it did because that's what <laughs> I was expecting. Um, but uh, let's go to. I'm going to go out of my own order just to make this more interesting. Um, we're going to go to a fun, funny question. Kind of. It's it's not quite the same as as the first one. Um, the Death Star. If the Death Star were to shoot at the Hulk, would it kill the Hulk or just make him more angry? Ooh. <laughs> well, okay. So is it like the like the actual Death Star itself shooting at a planet that Hulk is on? Or is it like more or less like kind of like The Last Jedi where they compact it and then they're just shooting that beam energy directly at Hulk? Oh, that's a good question. I was thinking more of they're shooting at a planet with Hulk on it. Um, but that's... I mean, would your answer change depending on which way? No, I just think it would just make him angry, but just a different way. (laughs) (laughs) He would just, one will be planet explodes. He's flying to space. He's angry because now he's flying (laughs) through space. (laughs) And then the other one is that you shoot at a Hulk. He just becomes angry and then just runs at it and destroys the thing. Either way, I think it just makes him more angry. I feel like we would need to look at the elemental factors of each planet that um, we're shooting at and determine if the Hulk can also withstand those same, you know, the, the same elemental, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Compression? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, 
you know, you have like a mantle, you have, um, you know, the, the crust, the, you know, all that. And then like, how strong is Hulk's skin and whatnot? Like how strong is his body compared to like a, a planet's core, you know? Okay. Alderaan. Mind you that, that Hulk was able to take on the infinity gauntlet and survive it. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. The six stones of the freaking universe and <laughs> nobody else can survive. The only other person who was able to survive it was Thanos. So, um, you know, so is that, you know, compared to that into a Death Star blast, hmm. you can destroy an entire planet where the six stones can destroy the entire universe. Yeah, it looks like the Death Star has some catching up to do. But at the same token, however, my I know my logic. I'm gonna I'm gonna call myself on this. The logic is flawed because if we had Death Star blast against Thanos, Thanos would be just gone like instantaneously. Like that, there's no there's no match what? there. Oh yeah, unless he had the Infinity Gauntlet. Unless maybe. well, okay, no yeah. no Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> no Infinity Gauntlet. We're just right. That's Thanos another that's another layer. Own. He's not like he's he's crazy powerful, but he's not impervious. Like he can get you know he bleeds. We've seen this happen, right? Like. So Thanos can, like, if his planet was completely just decimated and destroyed while he was on it, he would die. If an entire Death Star blast went straight at him, kind of like a la The Last Jedi, he would, he would be disintegrated. There's no way he would survive that on his own. Hulk, on the other hand, though, no, I think, I think he's just going to be, you know, he may be hit hard, but he'll, he'll come back being very angry. I, I don't know about that logic, though, anymore, because if you talk about Thanos... When we look at how the Infinity Gauntlet impacted both Thanos and Hulk, Hulk almost seemed to fare worse than Thanos did. It's true. Like when we had a, we saw the fist fight between Hulk and Thanos, you know, Thanos was able to take him down. But I, just because he was able to take him down, though, I don't. I think that I think the question comes into not the fight itself, but the the. Per, um, imperviousness of the character themselves and their, you know, what they can be able to absorb. Hulk might have been defeated, but that was not necessarily because he was not able to, like, ab- absorb it. it. Was able Thanos was able to deflect him and be able. To, it was a better fighter. Correct. So that's a little bit of a different story. And then Hulk just gave up because he was defeated, not because he was, you know, disintegrated or destroyed. Correct. And then he just was like, "No, I'm, I'm done. Somebody actually beat me." <laughs> Hulk's very sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been a case where something has... Like, does Hulk ever die in the comics? Sort of. I mean, he comes awfully close a couple of times because so many people were trying to kill him. And I don't think they ever successfully did. I mean, they got close. Because Hulk went through all kinds of different crazy transformations in the comics. Everything from like taking over the entire planet to you know like to a, a nuclear holocaust and surviving that. I think there was like a whole bunch of things that Hulk was able to survive through, which is why I'm I'm on the air of that. You know, he'll probably still survive it. To be honest with you, I think I'm still thinking that he'll survive it. Chris O'Brien, do you agree? I I agree. I mean, it's. Given given the history that, or at least everything that's been um, that that's been made aware, I mean, yeah, it, it's be kind of hard to just 
they're like, oh, no, he suddenly is, a, you know, there's a laser blast. All of a sudden, he's gone. He doesn't suffer or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I, I'm on the fence. I still don't know if I would say that he would survive. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I still think that the Death Star might be too much for him to handle. You and know, that's kind of going back to Mike's argument where he said that there's no way Thanos would have survived. Based off of that logic, I think if Thanos couldn't survive, Hulk couldn't survive either. I, I think Mike's point is right, though, that Hulk could probably survive more by himself as opposed to Thanos. But do we know the similarities between Thanos and Hulk's like DNA and, and all that? No, I mean, Thanos is from you know, a planet of you know, very strong beings on Titan, um, mm-hmm. which I'm, I forgot was his, what his race is called. But, um, so, but he's just, you know, come from a very, very strong race. Mm-hmm. Um, from, but Hulk, on the other hand, was basically Bruce Banner being exposed to a lot of gamma radiation. So it's very different. Like even DNA level, it's very, very different. Right. The fact that he absorbs so much energy and that... That's why he became, you know, the Hulk. I will say this, though. Now think about it. You know what Hulk's worst, like what would take the Hulk down? A psychiatrist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it down real fast. But they would have to be a really, really, really good psychiatrist. Yeah. Because Bruce Banner is always angry. Like he tried to kill himself and Hulk was just like, hell no. No. But like, think about it. Like a psychiatrist would be able to be like, you know, hey, you know, hey, the sun's getting real low. And then just like, hey, big guy. Get him to, get him to Bruce Battle level. Then. <laughs> but Mike, you brought up a good point, which is um, the difference between tight, or, um, Thanos and Hulk, which is Hulk absorbed all that gamma radiation and all of that energy. Um, and I, that's actually a very good point that that might actually protect him from the energy blast from the Death Star. So, all right, I'll, 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 I'll give in and say, yeah, Hulk can survive. Yay, Mike wins. Mike wins. <laughs> yeah. um, I think we need to get Mark Ruffalo onto a Disney Plus show with a psychiatrist. That would be <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end credits of Iron Man 3, the Stinger in Iron Man 3, where, he's, where, where uh, he's, Bruce is sitting on the couch with uh, Tony Stark, and Tony Stark's like telling his whole story. He's like, I'm not that kind of doctor. You know that, right? <laughs> you, know what else, uh, you know what else is great that uh, Bruce Banner uh, absorbed? is uh, Tony Stark's Duran Duran t-shirt in Ragnarok. <laughs> I loved that outfit. Yes, yeah, so he rocked that. <laughs> so true. Um, oh, which one was I going to go to? All right, this one, this one was kind of fun. Um, I'm, again, totally going out of order, just based on how our conversation is going. So we're going we're gonna to move into the force a little bit, white, because um, we, we haven't gotten there yet. And we're going to talk about, uh, by the way, for Marvel, I extended this into the X-Men universe as well, even though it's not officially under Disney canon quite yet. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about Magneto and whether Magneto's helmet could prevent against Jedi mind tricks. His helmet, no, but the Jedi mind tricks only work against the weak-minded. Magneto's not weak-minded. That is a really good one. (laughs) (laughs) 
wow, I'm impressed. This is my brother. I usually, I'm usually on the same wavelength as he is, and I did not see that one coming. That was really good. I can't, okay. Um, done. Done. I confirmed <laughs> Brian. Or maybe with the help of Professor X, he could <clears throat> cause him to be weak-minded, and then a Jedi mind. <laughs> but he's wearing That's true, but at that point, exactly, the helmet would save him. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that wouldn't work. That is a fair point. I will say though, if we if we eliminate the whole feeble mindedness of the Jedi mind trick and just strictly the helmet, if we just having that type of argument, I still feel like that Professor X's um, mind controlling ability would be fairly similar to a Jedi mind trick in some form or fashion. Unless we're going to the Metachlorian crap, which I'd rather not go into, but um, <laughs> I'd rather uh, es- explore the mystical aspect of it itself. And in that case scenario, that would, what does Professor X's mind controlling ability be similar to a Jedi mind trick? I don't think so, because the whole point of the Force is that everything's connected. And that's not just the prequels and Metachlorians. That, you know, that was also in the original trilogy, where they're talking about how everything's connected. And so the Jedi mind trick is you're leveraging something that's already inside of someone. Whereas when you think about like Professor, Professor X, um, even in the cartoons, they would always show like a wave coming out of his head. So like something he's projecting onto someone else. He's the ultimate projectionist. Rather than tapping into the connection that's already being made. Correct. Okay, I agree with Brian, 100%. So I would say that the helmet itself, no, but, uh, but Magneto as a person, uh, yes, can prevent a Jedi mind trick. Nice. And that's a nice, easy one that we got there, yeah. um, which is good. I have, I have a few, I have a few like simple, fun ones in here, and then some more interesting ones. Um, okay, we'll go to this one. Also, also X Men and Star Wars crossover. Um, is Storm actually just a Palpatine? Because of the lightning? Yes. Oh. oh. That's a fun way of asking, could Storm redirect Force Lightning? Okay, well, that's a different question. And yes. that one, <laughs> I would still say no, because Force Lightning is not weather-based. So <laughs> you sure? It, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every time we go outside, we see lightning happening. That's the Force <laughs> that's going around us. Force. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I don't think because force lightning is is a different type of energy. It's 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 out, it's redirecting the power of the force in, and manifesting into this energy where a storm is able to manipulate the weather around us. I actually think she could because you're right that it manifests itself as lightning, but that means it becomes lightning. And so Storm would be able to redirect her because lightning is just, um, you know, basically it's taking the energy levels from two different areas. So basically you're just like, no, I'm going to point it to that direction because she can target where lightning is going to strike. So basically instead of it coming at her, she just says, nope, that's the other, a better area I want you to go to. Uh, that's fair, actually. That's a good point. Or she could become a water element like in Pokemon and then, you know, <laughs> or some, you know, just to direct some monsoon rain onto the Palpatine and then you know, short circuits, short circuit. I mean, that's how it works. You know, it was funny that you mentioned that Chris, because I was actually, and I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to a totally different tangent here, but how awesome would be if storm faced off Aang from avatar, the last Ambit, oh, Airbender? Wow. that would be an that's awesome great. fight right there. That would be, 
that would be a really cool fight. <laughs> it's too bad Avatar, that Avatar is not in the Disney umbrella. Yeah, that would be really cool. So Nickelodeon, if you are hearing this right now, <laughs> make a uh, deal. Disney, yeah, make a deal. We want to see this happen. Avatar The Last Airbender with guest starring Storm from the X-Men. We want this. <laughs> Did we have an answer? I think it was. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I think Brian was right. I think uh, I think the uh, you know she can probably. I'm convinced. That's a tough one, but I think that she could probably deflect it. Again, also a cooler fight, honestly. Yeah. So. Very true. But um, does she have unlimited power? <laughs> unlimited <laughs> power. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, Let's go to this one. Speaking of interesting fights, uh, so I, I had two different pair-offs based on the same type of premise, but I think I'm going to go with the ancient um, of the two. I had I had new and I had ancient, so I'm going to go with ancient. Um, in a battle between Yoda and Sorcerer Supreme from Doctor Strange, how would that play out? That's a good one. That would be a two, really two good different fight. types of powers completely, but like, could she just trap Yoda in the mirror universe, for instance, and just leave him there? Or like, would would Yoda be able to manipulate um, her powers or battle her? You know, measure up to? Could Yoda wield the Force in such a way that could measure up to um, the Sorcerer Supreme's abilities? I guess it really depends upon whether the Force can. Uh, uh, cancel or deflect uh, any kind of mystic force abilities because like you said uh, otherwise the Sorcerer Supreme could just easily put Yoda in the mirror universe or just open up a portal then just throw him wherever <laughs> and that's, it. that's the end of it right so if Yoda is able to because Yoda can't do that right he can't like ma- you know make portals or go to other dimensions or universes as far as we know Right. So, because of that reason, if he's not able to prevent that, then that's that's pretty much the end of the fight. If he's able to prevent it, then I would say that would be a really interesting toe-to-toe match. I think it's going to be a game of chess, so more of a battle of wits, because if you think about it, and I'm assuming that this is going to be the ancient one that has the time stone. Yes. Because that I think that will allow her to kind of see all the potential um, future... Um, all the potential futures, but also Yoda, Yoda has a keen sense of what's going to happen. So if you remember through all the movies, he always kind of knew what was coming. So that's why he was always an invasive character. He would only fight when he had to, but most of the time he would take more of a flight. Um, And I think that would be true against the ancient one where he would be more on the defensive. And so I don't know if he would be able to get trapped in the mirror universe because he would sense that it's coming and be able to evade. Now, I don't know how he would be able to defeat the Ancient One, because Lightsaber, eh, probably not going to do a whole heck of a lot. Um, and then it would just be trying to force control, do like for, force push, force pull, something like that, which I think she could probably take that too. So I don't know. I, I kind of have a feeling that it would just be a stalemate. I don't think either of them would be able to get the better end of the other person, just because Yoda's really good at being evasive. I agree. I think it would be a stalemate. Chris? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, yeah, I mean, because Yoda can't bend time. He can't manipulate. I mean, you know, because I just can't see. Yeah, I, all right, I agree. I, <laughs> that's something I, think, I have to think about. I think the Ancient One's only benefit with the Time Stone is having the Time Stone and being able to, Chris's point, not just read the potential futures, but manipulate time. Um, that's one thing, of course, Yoda can't do. So I feel like that would be her only leg up, but it would be a close match either way. That would be very interesting to see played out. So um, we could leave it as a stalemate. <laughs> Actually, I, I almost want to change my answer, though, to the Ancient One because of the time stone. Because if we think to Infinity War, um, when Thanos finally um, catches up to uh, Vision, he uses the time stone to roll back time with just vision. And then he was able to grab the uh, infinity stone, the mind stone. So I'm wondering if um, she would be able to do the same thing where she captures Yoda, moves him back a little bit in time, where she can then position herself to make a deadly strike that he doesn't have enough time to evade. So I think there's a possibility with the time stone where she might be able to, um, I, I think it'll take a while because she'll have to position everything just right, like in a game of chess. But I think there could be a point where she could get to a checkmate. However, I will counteract with that, saying that Yoda, if he has that kind of keen insight into the Force, that he is actually aware of time being manipulated and going back in time and still able to predict and to counteract that still. Yoda's amazing. I don't know if he's amazing enough to counteract an Infinity Stone. But that's not a different question. now, Because that's not fair. If okay, one okay. Of the sorcerers <laughs> I don't think that's really okay, a fair fine. match. So with, time stone, with time stone, so, yes. yes. Without time, time stone, stone, stalemate. Stalemate, yep. Okay. okay. I'll agree with that. I, I can accept that answer for sure. I think that's probably accurate. Um, I'm going to ask another battle-related one and then get to a, a, another fun one um, or more witty one, I guess. So uh, I thought of a, a few different ways to ask this, but I think I'm going to go with this version. Um, we know that the Mandalorian is a phenomenal fighter. Um, how many Avengers or which Avengers would the Mandalorian be able to um, surpass? Like a combination, like thinking, I think Hawkeye would be the, maybe the base of, of, of Avengers to go after, but then Avengers and Black Widow. Sorry, uh, not Avengers and Black Widow. Hawkeye and Black Widow or... Um, you know, like at what, at what point does the Mandalorian become unable to defeat a combination of Avengers or any given single Avenger? Maybe the most comparable might be Tony Stark with the Iron Man suits. Also depends upon what, what, when like what type of Iron Man suit I think also would be a big one because if we're talking about like even one of the first ones I think that would be pretty much toe to toe but more in the more of the advanced ones I don't think even has a shot has, yeah, yeah has a shot at that point in time because no matter what is in the Mandalorian's arsenal Iron Man's going to be able to counter that pretty easily so yeah. I would say early Iron Man suits I think would be a good toe to toe match later Iron Man suits probably not uh, I think Cap would put up a good fight, but also I think Mandal Mandalorian has a good shot against Cap, I would say. And um, Falcon, I would say also would be a good, would be a good matchup. Um, Vision, probably not. Yeah. 
I still feel like, though, uh, if Mandalorian could outsmart Vision, it's that could be a possibility. He would have to have something that would deal with Vision's phasing ability. Yeah, exactly. Which we've seen, we've seen t- get taken down in Infinity War, so it's possible. But I would say that probably, if Mandalorian was going into this without having any knowledge about who his opponents are, um, then I would say that that Vision will take out pretty easily. Yeah, I, I think. I think Mandalorian would be able to take out most of the, the quote-unquote sidekicks. Um, so I think he would be able to handle Falcon. He would be able to handle Winter Soldier. Um, he would have probably have a hard time against War Machine because War Machine is pretty much Iron Man, just a different person behind the suit. Um, I think he would be able to handle Hawkeye. I think he would also be able to handle Black Widow. Um, both of them teaming up. I think that would be a challenge that he may not be able to get out of. Um, I think one of them would be able to trip him up just because they have such close um, teamwork that they'll probably be able to double team him and he, he wouldn't be able to handle both of them at the same time. Um, Cause when I think back to the show, he got himself into really sticky situations. And the only reason why he got out of it was because of help from someone else, whether it be the other Mandalorians or baby Yoda, sure. the child, I should say. Also called Deus Ex Machina, but that's okay. <laughs> I regress. Let's get. <laughs> I was trying to do the math in my head. Um, um, what about I was the other two? I was thinking they were kind of in the middle. Were Spider Man and not necessarily together. Spider Man and Ant Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. Mandalorian will probably take, be able to take down. Um, even with Spidey sense, I still feel like Mandalorian would would be able to probably outwit Spider Man. Uh, Ant Man. Well, it depends. Are we talking about Ant-Man having ability going to Giant Man? Yes. I still think Mandalorian could put up you know, a good fight against even Giant Man. He's taking down uh, ATSTs. So <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But I think it would be his Ant-Man capability that would, um, would ruin Mandalorian because he would be able to get under uh, his armor. True, if he can get that close. But also, remember, Mandalorian has like flamethrowers and all kinds of crazy stuff that can stop him. It's true. I think that one would be fun to watch. That would be a super fun one to watch. Ant-Man versus Mandalorian. Yeah. I think think also against Spider-Man would be a a tough call between the two. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good fight. Yeah. But I think that's the thing. Yeah, I think they'll be pretty evenly matched for sure. Cool. All right, we have... have, It's kind of how I was thinking. It depends on the, the combination of of team members of Avengers and, and what, cal- what, what level of powers they have and abilities. So it, it, it seems like right around the Spider-Man Ant-Man level is about where he would um, have a little bit more of a challenge um, and then beyond that, find it difficult to, to overcome um, even one-on-one with an Avenger. So cool. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing that I would like to see is how does he face off with someone dealing with um, a Darksaber? So in season oh, two, I'm really curious. Yeah. We might have a different answer once season two is released. That's because true. he's supposedly going to be facing off against much more. Your rumors are showing that Ahsoka Tano is going to be in this, an older version. So we might see some pretty crazy things that he has to go up against. Well, I should put in the caveat then that this was recorded prior to even the first <laughs> episode of The Mandalorian season two. So <laughs> there might be some things that appear there that we that we change our answer there. But so that's a good point. Um, well, well, maybe you have to do another Mandalorian specific episode. <laughs> I've never been. This is an Imagineer podcast update. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if I have to enter, if I have to edit that in here, that'd be very funny. Okay. Yeah, you can take that soundbite, Matt. <laughs> I might take it anyway. Uh, <laughs> for just something else. All right. So I, I couldn't do Marvel and Star Wars without asking this question. Um, this is probably the most entertaining at the very least. Um, but I, I'm really curious. This is definitely going to be a battle of wits more than anything else. But I'd be very curious to see what happens when you put um, Nick Fury up against Mace Windu. <laughs> okay. That's a hilarious. <laughs> wow. And B, okay, does it, are, are, it, it depends, I guess, is the really the comes down to. It's like, okay, does Nick Fury have anything else to him or is it just him? We'll say he has control of shield because obviously he doesn't have the force. So that's a big disadvantage. <laughs> so we'll say he has shield, maybe not the Avengers, but that would be good. I guess it really comes down to the preparedness. If like Nick Fury knew about Jedi and the force and things like that and had time to, to with his, with shield to figure out how to counteract the force, then I think that he would have a good, a fair fight. Um, to basically be able to trap Mace Windu. If without that, there's Mace Windu would still just wipe the floor with him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this one's really hard to do because Nick Fury really doesn't get into the fight itself. He controls the fight. He sees the fight. He sees what's happening um, because not just him seeing it, but he has eyes and ears everywhere. And so he knows what's going on. So he's able to position everything. So like you said, Matt, it's a battle of wits. Yeah. Um, if they go head to head, there's, there's no, really shot. no chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mace Window almost, well, he pretty much did best Palpatine. The only reason why he didn't kill him was because Anakin stepped in. Yeah. Um, so I, I really think it would be really hard, even with all of shield at his disposal. If Mace Windu was set on taking him down, he's going to take him down. So I would have to give the edge to Mace Windu. I would yeah. agree with that. That's right. Without a fair trial, because Nick Fury would just be too dangerous. <laughs> Those are not my words. It's not the Jedi not. way. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm like I was comparing characters and I'm thinking about characters that were in both universes, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> there's something. There's something there, but obviously, one on one, Mace Windu would clearly have the upper hand. Here's another battle of wits, though, that would be a little more interesting um, because they're similar personalities and styles um, and and life forms in some way. Um, a battle of wits or just a general battle between Rocket and Chewbacca. Ooh, that's a good one. I think Rocket. 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 Rocket yeah. for sure. He he has the technology. He has the technology. <laughs> he has the. Like the ability to reverse engineer anything, anything he sees, any sort of, even if it's broken, he'll like reverse engineer something into like a weapon of some sort. And Chewbacca just doesn't have that sense. Yeah. Chewie's really good at fixing things, but not necessarily coming up and building something that could take down Rocket. I mean, Chewbacca's bowcaster is amazing, but that that dwarfs in comparison to like even some of the smallest things that Rocket's made. Yeah, right. I was thinking more along the lines of craftiness. Like, obviously, weapons, Rocket has the upper hand, but does is Chewie is Rocket also able to outwit Chewie? Yeah, That's kind of the question. Yeah, I yeah. love Chewie, but yeah, Rocket. Rocket. 
Chewie, Chewie has more intelligence than a walking rug, but he's <laughs> not the most intelligent being in the universe. Fair. So Rocket, Rocket definitely would have the upper hand then. Awesome. Um, what was I going to go to next? Okay, this one is, is maybe... Maybe it's easy because some of these I don't know because you guys have had amazing answers and I haven't been able to think through all the possible factors, which is why I have three people on this episode. Um, But let's say that uh, Emperor Palpatine was able to um, grab hold of the Infinity Stones. Would he be able to wield the Infinity Gauntlet without perishing as a result? So we're essentially comparing the Force and the ultimate strength of the Force to um, the Infinity Stones. I want to say yes. Yeah. I guess it depends on like if the answer, this is a follow-up question. Um, and then of course this is in reference to the newer star Wars. Um, how the heck did he survive the second death star explosion? And um, if he was able to survive that, then I would say yes. That to me was unclear. I don't know if it was answered. But I don't think Brian, you might have a better idea. Okay. <laughs> no, they didn't really. They're like, he survives. He's, he's, yeah, quote, he's quote, alive. He's, he's alive-ish. He he needs more energy. I I would say just I guess it really comes down to because Thanos I think was able to survive because of how strong he is, and obviously Palpatine like physically is weak, but is extremely powerful in the Force. So if he's able to, I guess allocate the the I, I guess blowback if you will of the affinity gauntlet by using it through the force then yeah he'll easily survive it but if he's not able to and that energy has to be absorbed physically then no he'll get destroyed so i guess it really just depends on whether palpatine would be able to channel the um the, the blowback of the affinity gauntlet by using it through the force is really what it just comes down to yeah, my thought yeah. is probably yes. I was leaning towards that way as well, um, which actually led me to thinking about a follow-up question, which was at what Jedi or Sith uh, level uh, of, of ability does a Jedi or Sith Lord not become able to control or, or handle the blowback from the Infinity Gauntlet? Like, which what would be an example of a Jedi or a Sith Lord that we know... Um, who's still powerful, but would not be able to control the Infinity Gauntlet. Would not. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, wait. No, I was thinking the opposite. Like, who would be able to? Because to kind of go on from the other one, I was thinking maybe Darth Plagueis. But but that's it, he might be able to control it. I feel like a lot of Jedi wouldn't, wouldn't be able to control it at all. Like, even someone like Yoda or... Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody that might. I think Yoda, well, you, it, it, once again, it goes back to what, how can the Force help? If the Force, if you can really leverage the Force like, with the, against the blowback, then I think Yoda would definitely be able to handle it. Um, I think the other piece you have to remember is not just um, being able to control the blowback, but just being able to control the gauntlet itself. Because if you remember, one of the reasons why they didn't give the gauntlet to Thor was because Thor was not in the right mental state. And when you tell the gauntlet what to do, you have to be very specific about what you want. Otherwise, you can completely destroy um, what, you, what you intend. So I think if you think about a lot of the um, Jedi and Sith, especially the Sith, they don't necessarily have the right mental state to be able to control that. Like even if you look at Vader, um, 
uh, Vader might be able to, but I think he's too much, too emotional where he could, he wouldn't have the right focus and he could have unintended consequences in whatever he's trying to accomplish. I agree with Brian on this one. Even old man Luke wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do it. I think the only two uh, that we know of existence would be Yoda and, and Palpatine. I think those are the only two that have even a remote chance of surviving. But do you think Palpatine would be in the right mental state? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he's focused. He, you know, and everything, and everything that we've seen him done, he's, he's very, very intent he may not be always right, but he's very intentful of his actions. Right. Like even right. Like, so, so go back to our discussion about how Mace Windu overtook Palpatine. Palpatine basically allowed himself to get lightning by himself. And that mm. was to get Anakin to turn. Right. So he was very intentional of doing it. He's like, I can withstand this. And even if I can't, it's going to flip Anakin. Yeah. That's fair. <clears throat> awesome. Let's turn to a more philosophical question that doesn't necessarily involve powers. If you were to compare the Empire, I might even say the First Order, the Empire from the original films to Hydra, which would you consider to be more evil? I've actually thought about this one, but I'm going to reserve my, my thoughts until I let you, you three think about it. <laughs> A good one because they both have actually very similar goals. Both of them want, like, they use uh, excessive uh, force as an excuse for order and for for peace through order. That's basically both Hydra's philosophy as well as the Empire's philosophy. Right. So it comes down to I think their leaders and their style in. They have similar styles, but some slight differences in how they um, control or maintain order. Uh, Do you have an answer? I have sort of an answer. I'm leaning Empire just because of the brutality and the level at which they go to. It's kind of hard to compare, though, because Hydra is only on Earth versus the Empire, which is an entire galaxy. Um, But you don't see Hydra blowing up a planet. Right, no, I think just to, see, just to take order. I think the way to compare it is uh, thinking about the the galaxy as uh, almost as a planet with with you can almost think of different planets as different countries or different. Um, like I think there are ways to compare them, but yes, obviously, uh, literally, <laughs> the Empire is controlling an entire galaxy, and and Hydra is just looking to control the Earth. But here's the thing, though, is like. Outside of that, if you just look at the, the the philosophy of which one's more evil, right? The Empire uses uses and exercises the threat of um, of mass annihilation for control. Hydra, what Hydra was planning to do, correct? So Some they were they were they were they well. If you remember from Winter Soldier, they were like two seconds away from basically annihilating millions. Yeah, actually, of people. no. First Avenger is the more um, more closely oh, aligned true. because they were going to just bomb places. But in True. Winter Soldier, it wasn't um, mass annihilation of innocence. They had a targeted list. If you remember, every single gun can point to a specific person. Correct. So they were going after people that would go up against them, which Correct. is very different than just you know shooting up Alderaan, which was a peaceful planet. Just well, to make an example. Right. That's true. 
Yeah, but then I think also they're both, had, I think they're had, both evil. Yeah, they're both, yeah. but, but no the question is that. which one's more evil. <laughs> the question is not that they're which one's not evil or evil. It's which one's more evil. I I, I want to say the Empire is just more evil, but that's also partly because you know when we look at talking about being philosophical, when we look at Star Wars, it's supposed to be the ultimate example of good versus evil, whereas Hydra is somewhat good versus area. evil, but it's yeah, it's a little bit more of a gray area type thing. Yeah, I, I would. I think I have to agree with Brian that Empire is like if you have an evil O meter, and I would say the <laughs> Empire, Empire is, is eleven like, and Hydra is 10. 10, 9, 10. Well, yeah. let me ask this question, and I'm I'm not as well versed with the Marvel universes as, as you guys, but um, uh, what did Hy- Hydra knew about the Infinity Stones? Right, they knew about the Infinity Gauntlet, and they eventually would know like you know, the mass destruction that it would have if someone were to get control of everything. Um, were they, I can't remember if, I can't remember where the, tes- the Tesseract was. Let me see. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen them, but basically like Hydra knew the power behind the, the stones, right? So if they were any, if there was any sort of, if they were hiding them or um, trying to, um, I don't know, keep them from, um, from good, good intentions. Uh, wouldn't that be kind of on the same scale as the empire? I don't know if they had the same intentions though as Thanos where they wanted to destroy everything. I don't know if they knew about the gauntlet. They certainly knew about, they knew about infinity stones, but I don't know if they knew about them as the infinity stones. I don't know if they knew the history because no. if you remember to the first Avenger, uh, when Red Skull went to get, get the Tesseract, they kind of knew it from Norse mythology. Correct. So I don't know if they knew about it as an Infinity Stone. And then they took the Scepter, but once again, I don't know if they knew that the Scepter contained the Mind Stone or if it was just something no. that was powerful that they wanted to investigate because it was powerful and they want power. I agree. I think I think Brian's on the right track. I don't think Hydra truly understood what they actually had. They just knew that these were objects that are not of on Earth that had immense power and they were trying to basically experiment with it to to wield it for themselves and also if we look at first avenger they weren't using the tesseract as a as the space stone they were using it as just an energy source right exactly okay right all right well in that case uh, my vote goes to the empire (laughs) (laughs) but both are evil also (laughs) the empire has the better soundtrack so i'm I'm sorry Done, done. Um, I'm gonna ask two more. I have I have several on the list, but um, some of them. As we're going through this, and I'm listening to a lot of the rationale behind some of these answers, I'm checking some things off that were similar in in idea. And so there are two that are still overarching themes that we haven't fully covered. We have in small pieces. One of them we definitely haven't, um, and that's this one. So assuming that. Tony Stark had the time and ability to learn of all the technology in the Star Wars universe. Would he be able to design a weapon stronger than the Death Star? What would he use it for, though? I'm thinking old school Tony Stark, the original Tony Stark, who was, you know, basically building weapons. Um, So in his mind, it would be about peace but he would still be constructing a weapon. I think yes, because if you think about it, it was scientists that developed the Death Star. It wasn't force. It was 
people under learning how kyber crystals worked and then being able to build the death star and then they grew on that into the second death star and then star killer base um though i don't know if star killer base used kyber crystals no i don't think it, it did it just it used just, the star yeah uh, the star right yeah it just observed you know sun sun's energy. energy but even that outweighed what the Death, original Death Star was able to accomplish. So I think, yeah, I think Tony Stark, if given the time um, and access, I think the biggest thing is the access to the data. Um, absolutely. Because, you know, if you think about it, he was able to pick up on um, everything they were talking about in Avengers right away. He was able to figure out time travel. So I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So then the follow-up question is, what would he do differently? He'd make it more stylish. <laughs> it wouldn't be just a big gray ball in the sky it would be no, there'd be some flare there'd be some flare some color in there put some red some red yeah i i would say he would he would use it as a way at like uh, i think he would miniaturize it so it'd not be the size of a small moon um and then i would say that he would use it as more of a defensive weapon than anything else where it wouldn't the intent of it wouldn't be to destroy planets it would be basically to you know stop a, an opposing force so it'd be used to destroy a very large powerful threat and i could only see like another 10 marvel films um you know spawning after this because of uh, how many people how many antagonists would want to get a hold of this weapon. And, you know, so, yeah. Can you imagine this, that weapon being fired against Galactus? <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> it would certainly be interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll go to one more question. This is, um, I don't think it's the, like a, a penultimate question. It's just another topic we haven't fully covered. Uh, We've talked about the Infinity Gauntlet and the Force, but I want to talk specifically about Scarlet Witch because she has Force-like abilities. So when it comes to Scarlet Witch going up against the Jedi or Sith Lords for that matter, um, how would her abilities compare to either specific Jedi or specific Sith Lords? At what point would she not be able to handle the battle um, what point would she dominate? Like, what? Where would she stand in in that ranking of force wielding individuals? I think this also has a caveat of one division has not been released yet. True, so we haven't <laughs> seen a lot of uh, of her yet. Um, I don't know. This is a well, she's a good one. She would need to harness the force or understand the force in order to reflect any sort of like force pushes or pulls or things like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know if she would be able to do anything to counteract something that they're doing with the force. Um, but she could use force like moves on someone who's wielding the force. And I think likewise, they may not be able to counteract it either. So she may not be able to handle a force push a force pull, but by using her abilities, I think she can do the same exact thing against a force wielder, but they wouldn't be able to necessarily use the force to block it. So I think it's, they're different, but probably on pretty, pretty equal standing. I think the biggest advantage is going to be her ability to change reality. 
and just completely mess with anyone that's wielding the force. Like I said, though, you know, we haven't seen on screen what she's able to do. But I mean, she was able to, if we look at the comics, she was able to wipe out all mutants. Like that's, that's pretty insane of an ability. So no more Jedi. <laughs> and if we do go back to the midichlorian concept to be like okay midichlorians are gone yeah that, that's and now no one can wield the force and everyone say thank you scarlet <laughs> thank you <laughs> but the other thing too is and i i'm pretty sure i i have the answer to this but then it comes down to the question of scarlet which can also manipulate minds as we've seen from age of ultron it's true and would that be considered similar to a jedi mind trick where it's only you know, where it only works on the feeble-mindedness, which I think no, no, because she was able to pretty much do it to everybody. I'm pretty sure her ability is going to be more like Professor X versus telepathy. Right, which which uh, Jedi, I think, would be would be uh, able to be succumbed by. Yeah, agreed. So, and a mind trick wouldn't do anything on her. Right, because she's, yeah, she's strong-minded. So I think Scarlet Witch would probably have the upper hand. Would she have the upper hand over uh, Palpatine? I, I think when it gets to that level, maybe not, because like we said, she's still susceptible to the Force. Not like a Jedi mind trick, but if you sent, well, lightning, I don't know how she would handle, but um, if you were able to get her with a Force push or a Force pull, um, or just you know, you, you, a Force choke, I don't know if she'd be able to do anything against those. So it might be whoever gets the first shot is kind of the winner in those those cases. Yeah, it would be a good toe-to-toe match. That's for sure. I would definitely pay to see that. <laughs> Disney, if you're listening, you do you have the rights to both of these. This is the Imagineer focus group. <laughs> it sure is. Um, awesome. Well, I, I think I want to do this again with another two universes and asking them in different ways, but I thought this was really a, like a really interesting discussion. So... Um, thanks to the three of you for geeking out with me and digging deep into Star Wars and Marvel lore to try to figure out some of these never been answered questions. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you, uh, you taking the time for this episode. This is definitely a lot of fun. This is a blast. Yay. It's great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Pun intended with the blasts. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was intentional. <laughs> And with that, we close out episode 92 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you found this discussion to be really interesting, and I also hope that you found this way of formatting our roundtable discussions with this new type of episode called Never Been Answered to be interesting. Of course, I want to hear your feedback and your answers to some of the questions we posed in today's episode. Perhaps we missed something that you think is worth adding to the conversation. You can send me your answers and feedback, as always, in so many different ways. You can reach out to me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and you can also join 
join our Facebook group, which is called the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, to chat about the subject not just with me, but with other members of our listener community. And you can request to join over on Facebook, and I will approve you as soon as I see that notification come through. You can also send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com and make sure you're following us on social media for all the latest content. Of course, if you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast app, which ensures that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have 10 seconds to leave us a rating in the Apple Podcast Store, that does a lot to help this community out. And even more than that, if you have a minute or two or however long it takes to leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store, I do read each and every review I get and certainly appreciate those of you who have left us a rating and a review in the past. Perhaps the best thing you could do for the show is to share it, whether you share out this particular episode or any other episode of the show. And even if you just share out or comment on some of our social media posts, that of course does a lot to help our community to grow. And the best thing is just to talk about it with your friends and family because word of mouth is usually the best way to, um, and the most reliable way for people to find new podcasts and communities. So certainly appreciate anything you do to share the show. And if you would like to take your love of Imagineer podcast one step further, look into the Imagineer Society, which you can find over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Patreon, as always, is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast is a way that you can support the show financially and in return get extra special perks, benefits, and rewards. I reward every member at every tier of membership starting at just one dollar a month which is only twelve dollars a year you get perks and benefits associated with that level of membership perks do vary so make sure to visit patreon.com slash imagine your podcast for the latest uh membership perks and i should say they're also subject to change but examples include early access to every podcast episode bonus podcast episodes just for imagine your society members access to a private facebook group and my close friends list on instagram as well as monthly video calls and so much more again go to patreon.com slash imagine your podcast to see all the perks and benefits and thanks as always to all of our imagine society members i would also encourage you to check out our partners definitely look into the kingdom insider over at the kingdominsider.com and the kingdom insider on all social media channels to get the latest news and updates about all things disney about what's happening at walt disney world and other disney parks around the world and how you can make the most of the disney magic whether you're on vacation or trying to bring the magic of disney into your own home so again you can head to the kingdominsider.com or the Kingdom Insider on any social media channel. And when you're ready to book your next Disney vacation, whatever your destination might be, you'll want to check out our travel partner, Academy Travel and Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel because they have been helping to plan vacations for over 25 years and they are diamond earmarked by Disney, the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies. They're one of the top three and in fact, I believe the number one Disney travel agency 
in the world for Disney vacations. And they can help you not only to plan out your next Disney vacation, which I'm sure because I've been receiving a lot of questions, as you all know, is a lot more complicated than it used to be. Um, but they can also, so they can alleviate all that stress and they can help you to even save money because they're aware of all the latest discounts that are available. And the best part is they do this at no additional cost to you. So you can alleviate the stress, save some money and work with a travel planner over at Academy Travel. The easiest way to get a free quote, no obligation is if you go into the description of this podcast episode, you'll find some links to some free quote forms, or you can head to imagineerpodcast.com, click on the travel dropdown, select your destination, fill out the form, and they will get back to you as soon as possible. Again, with a free quote and no obligation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, as we start approaching the new year, 2021, to go after your hopes and dreams. Now is the perfect time to write down whatever goals you have for 2021 to make it the best year of your life so far. Remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Flight 1119, non-stop service to Endor, is now ready for boarding at gate number one. All passengers, please proceed to the boarding area immediately. Kuchana, Kuchana, Haraway Chudo, Ikikikik, Endor, Gupta, Toko, Achidik, Katera, Nugi, Bashi, Bashi.